I just want to share a message that every once in a while, God will just drop a message in my heart. And it's not a theme. It's not a big old series. It's just, it's just God will speak to me in my own quiet time. And, and I've got that. And I'm building a rhythm. I'm, I'm doing something new this year. We're building a rhythm to give me an opportunity just to share those kind of messages. Because I feel like if they're that good for me, it'll probably be good for you. In fact, this past week, as I was uh, just in my personal time, God gave me another message that I'm going to preach. I don't know when. Sometime this year out of Exodus chapter 8. You're going to have to wait for that one. I know you want that one right now. I know you would think it's timely. Give me that one. I'm not going to give it to you, but, but I'd like to give you a message, if I could, out of Genesis 25. Um, you can kind of tell if you'll follow along. You'll see that um, my, my personal time, I've been going through the Bible and so when God will speak to me, you'll hear a message out of Genesis. And then by the end of the year, you'll probably be hearing messages out of the New Testament at some point because it's just what God's speaking to me. And, and I want to share a message today um, about two brothers that uh, twins, they're, they're famous twins in the Bible, if you've been around church, Esau and Jacob. And uh, they took sibling rivalry to a whole nother level. I don't know if you ever fought with your brother or your sister, but... But it got, it got to a, a really bad place. But I felt like there was a message in this when I read it that God gave me. And so Genesis chapter 25, let me read just a few verses. This story, I know some of you will be so familiar with this story. Genesis 25 verse 20 about the boys. It says that the boys grew up and Esau became a skillful hunter. How many of you caught a deer this year? Raise your hand if you caught a deer this year. Did any hunters in this place know? Wow, okay, well... Lancaster, everybody put their hands up. They were like, we're hunters. Hunters in Lancaster. I can't believe Pastor Rick, you didn't catch anything this year. I'm, I'm shocked. I'm embarrassed, but whatever. Hard to catch them. Kill them, whatever. So rude. Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the open country. While Jacob was content to stay at home among the tents. Most of you are like Jacob. Apparently, you stayed home this winter. It says that Isaac, who had a taste for wild game, that's his father, he loved Esau. It was his favorite. But Rebekah loved Jacob. She was a mama's boy, or he was a mama's boy. And it said, once when Jacob was cooking some stew, oh my. Esau came in from the open country famished. And he said to Jacob, quick, let me have some of that red stew. I'm famished. And that is why he was also called Edom. Edom means red. This Jacob replied, first, sell me your birthright. Look, I'm about to die, Esau said. What good is the birthright to me? But Jacob said, swear to me first. So he swore an oath to him, selling his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some, ooh, this lentil stew. I don't know if that gets you excited. And he ate and he drank and then he got up and left. The most depressing part of this whole story is this next line. So Esau despised his birthright. Today I want to talk to you on the subject of bad trades. Bad trades. I feel like God wants to use this word to speak to us today. Would you bow your heads and let me pray over us as we begin. Father, we just thank you for your, your presence right now. God, I sense that you are here. I sense that, God, you really want to speak to us. And so I ask now that, God, you would open up our hearts and our minds. God, that may our, 
may our focus be may our focus be clear may we be able to hear what you have to say specific and uniquely to each one of us god that's the work of your spirit and so i'm asking you to do what only you can do in these moments god thank you for our time together we we love being in your presence and we love hearing from you and we pray all of these things in the name of jesus everyone said together come on can we give them praise one more time go ahead and grab a seat let's uh Let's dive into the story, bad trades. I, uh, my earliest memories of trading uh, came in elementary school. It was around the lunch table. How many of you can remember trading things in your lunch to other people at the table? How many of you remember that? Some of you remember doing that? Because my parents would always pack us the worst lunches ever. I don't know if you're your mom loved you enough to put a Twinkie or a Hostess or something in your lunch, but no, not my mom. It was always like an apple uh, or an orange or something lame like that, you know? And so I would, I would do my best to try to trade up. You ever do that with lunch? You trade up. If you got a sandwich you don't like, you try to get somebody to trade up. If you got an apple, you look for somebody with a Twinkie, and you're like, hey, you want to trade? That'll rot your teeth, but this, this will... And, and, and there's always some sucker out there that will take you up on that trade. Can I give you a little piece of advice if you're young? Never trade away your Twinkie for an apple. That's a bad trade. Everybody say bad trade. That's a bad trade, right? And uh, I just got better at it as I got older. My brother and I did something to our younger sister once that we're not really proud of now when she was younger and she didn't understand money very well. Uh, we came to her once and she had a $5 bill. And we just went to town working on her. We were like, oh, you only got one of those? That's it? Oh, we got a bunch of these, and we pulled out three ones. And we said, I can't, you only have one of those? We got three of these. You know what? Because we care so much about you, we would be willing to trade you our three ones for your one five. Wouldn't you rather have three than one? Guess what? She took the deal. Everybody say, bad trade. That's a bad trade. I feel bad. You know what I discovered? My conscience isn't worth $2. You know what I mean? It might be worth 2000 but it's not worth $2. Hello? It's a bad trade. You know what I discovered about life, and you'll, you'll learn this, is that everything in life is a trade. Everything we do comes with a trade. When, when you go to work, you're making a trade. When you get a job, you're making a trade. You're trading your time, your skill for someone to give you a paycheck. That's a trade. Everything in life is a trade. Everything you want in life will come at a cost. It's a trade. If you want to become a doctor, for example, you re better realize when you graduate high school, you're going to have to go to school another 8 or 12 years beyond that, and you're going to be in debt worth maybe hundreds of thousands of dollars to be a doctor. And so listen, I know it sounds great. I want to be a doctor, and they make a lot of money, but understand the trade-off. There's a trade. Come on, you all know about trades, right? How many of you are married? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. You know when you got married, there was a trade, right? You, you were trading away being single to trade away your freedom, right? That's a trade. Everybody knows that I'm just messing. Like, I love being married, okay? Settle down. It, it, it's, if you want to have kids, like I, I remember like wanting to have kids and start a family. You, you're going to start a family, you're going to have kids, and it's going to be awesome, and they'll bring so much joy, but what's the trade-off? You're going to give up all of your time and money for the rest of your life. It's a trade-off. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, all of life is a trade. Everything you do in life 
comes down to a trade. And here's, if I could just give you a piece of advice, if you want just like, this is just great wisdom for life, and I don't mean to oversimplify life, but if I could just say what is life and how do you have a good one, it's simple. Don't make bad trades. And I'm not trying to insult your intelligence because I'm sure you already know that. But don't make bad trades. Go through life and don't make bad trades because here's what happens. When you make a bad trade like Esau did, you tend to live with regret. Do you remember the last line when I read to you in that passage? He despised his birthright. When we make a bad trade, we end up regretting life. Like you can get to a point in life and look back and go, I just traded away the best years of my life to, for that, for that company, for the stress with that kind of job. I traded away moments with my kids to make money. Well, I traded away this for that. It's all about trade. And, and the worst part is we get to a point with regret. And I think about Esau and, and the trade he made. It was a bad trade for Esau. It was a really good trade for Jacob. He traded his birthright for a bowl of stew. Now, if you're new around church and maybe you've never heard this story before, and you're saying, what's a birthright? Because, you know, when you were born, nobody told you you had a birthright. Like, and you're saying, what is that? It was that little gift that they give you. You know, someone shows up at the hospital and gives you a little gift that's a birthright. Is it a stone? Is it some kind of precious? No, no, no. You have to go back to ancient times and ancient Israel and even these times. They had this thing called a birthright. What they cared about more than anything else was that they could pass down the family legacy and the family name. And that was done through the son through the firstborn son. And so in these times, what they had was a birthright, which was the firstborn son, not female. This was a very misogynistic culture. Sometimes people say that today we live in a misogynistic culture, not like compared to what it was like in ancient history. It was really bad. And, and so the firstborn son, here's what a birthright was, entitled you to double the inheritance of your father's estate. So in other words, if there were other brothers, you got double what they got. That was a birthright, and it always went to the firstborn son. How many of you know that they would have been what much smarter to give that to the secondborn son? Because you all know the secondborn son typically gets it right because the parents screw up on the firstborn, and then the secondborn's usually smarter, and they're a little wiser, better looking. How many of you know they should give it to the secondborn son? Amen. Thank you. But no, they, they gave it to the, the firstborn son. Do you know that this was not just a small little inheritance? Because some of you think about your situation. You're like, my parents are practically broke or I might have to end up taking care of them. You need to understand that for Esau, this was worth a lot. He only had one brother, Jacob, which means that he got, do the math real fast. So I'll give you a second, see if you can figure it out. I don't have any math majors. Two-thirds of his father's estate. That's what he got. And Jacob got one-third. Now, if you wonder how much it was worth, can I just tell you, it was worth a lot. How do we know that? Because Isaac was really wealthy, not just Isaac, his dad, but his grandfather was incredibly wealthy. His name was Abraham. And how do I know that? You follow the story of Abraham, and God blessed him everywhere he went. He would go places, and he would do the, all the wrong things, and God would still bless him because God chose him to initiate something in the people of Israel and a covenant to bring Jesus. And so there was a blessing on him financially. Abraham was loaded. And guess who pretty much got the, probably the sole heir of all of his fortune? Guess who it was? Isaac. 
Now, Isaac had a brother, a half-brother. He had a brother named Ishmael, but he was not in the picture. He got sent away. And so I bet Isaac was the sole heir of all of Abraham's fortune. And then he amassed great wealth. And guess what? Esau was in line to take in possibly millions, if you would look today. He was that wealthy. His dad was that wealthy. And so this is, Esau has all this coming to him. This is all he's got, all this coming to him. But one moment, he walks in out of the country, like Pastor Rick, he didn't catch anything. No buck, no doe, no animal whatsoever. And he is starving, and when he comes in, he smells, what's that, what's that, what's that smell? Oh, you got stew. Jake has some stew that he's been cooking for hours. And he trades he, his birthright for a bowl of stew. That's a bad trade. That's a really bad trade. I don't care how good the stew is. I mean, we're, we're not even talking about Chef Boyardee extra chunky beef stew with steak in it. We're not talking. I mean, if you're going to talk about that, maybe, okay. But we're talking about said bean stew, lentil bean stew. Now, I think it's easy for us when we hear a story like this to kind of laugh and make fun of Esau. Like, you're an idiot. So dumb. Why would you ever do that? But can I just tell you, if we peel back the layers a little bit, if we extrapolate his story to maybe our story without pointing fingers at him, what we'll discover is what was stew for Esau might not be stew for you. But my question is, what is stew for you? What, what, what I'm saying is, what is that thing that looks and smells so good that you don't have, that you wish you had, that you would think will solve all of your problems in a moment? That's what he saw as that stew. What is that thing that smells so good in your life that just reminds you what somebody else has that you don't have? Because Jacob's got stuff, but I don't have anything. What is stew for you? Because what I've found for many of us is that we have stew. It might not be lentil, but it could be Instagram. It could be the parents of my friends because they let them do whatever. It could be what he drives. It could be the romance that she has in her marriage. It could be the vacations they get to go on. It could be the paycheck they get. It could be the house they live in. What is stew for you? And none of those things are wrong in and of themselves. That wasn't the problem. The problem was not the stew. It's when you stew over it. It's when in your mind, when all you can think about is I have to have that. I'm trying to show you because these are the things that lead us to make bad trades. What is that thing in your mind, what's that thing in your life that you can't think about anything else but it? This is your stew. When, when I just, oh, I just got to have it. I, I, can't, I can't stop until I get it. I'm going to figure out how to get it. There's a phrase that we refer to this sometimes in our, in our language. We call it seeing red. Have you ever heard that phrase before, seeing red? They say, oh, my gosh, he's seeing red. It's this idea that most things come from uh, matadors and bullfighting. You ever watch bullfighting? It's, it's an awful tradition, but it's this thing where they kill bulls in, in an arena. But, but, but the matador, they, they hold what? A red cape. And they flash this red cape in front of a bull, and the bull can't, the bull loses its mind. The bull just, I've got 
to get that red cape. It's called seeing red. I can't see anything else but the cape. I can't see anything else but that stew. I can't see anything else but the red in front of me. And so they'll use that cape to trick the bull. And then when the bull comes, they end up killing the bull. Now, I know we, we think seeing red comes, goes back to this idea of bullfighting. But I actually think it maybe goes all the way back to Genesis 25. I don't know if you missed this in verse 30. But when he came out of the open country, it says he said, quick. He said, give me some of that red stew. I'm famished. Esau was seeing red. He lost his mind. He couldn't see the future. He couldn't see the consequences. He couldn't see anything else but the stew. I've got to have the stew. And here's what happened. In a moment of weakness, he made a bad trade. Most of us, if we recognize something, that oftentimes that it is our weakest moments where we make our worst decisions. It's, it's when we're tired. It's when we're depleted. In fact, do you know when it says famished in, in the NIV, you can look at some other translations where we might read hungry. He was famished. The Hebrew word that's used there actually is even a bigger term than that. It, it literally means that he was weary he was exhausted, he was faint, he was tired, he was, he was, it was more than, he was thirsty, it was all of that. He, he was so worn down, he was so exhausted, he was so depleted that he made a bad trade. Can I just tell you something today? Do you want to know when most of us make bad trades? It's when we let ourselves get to a place of deficit. Can I tell you how to not make bad trades? Don't let yourself get to a place of deficit. Don't let yourself get to a point where you're so depleted, so tired, so hungry, so exhausted, so worn out in life that you make a bad decision. That's when we do it. In fact, for most of us here in America, can I just say that we never get to the point when we're physically hungry and exhausted because we don't have food. Esau, that was his thing. He's, he's worn out, he's tired, he's been out, who knows, a day, two days, three days, he's hungry, he's exhausted, he thinks his life's going to end. Most of us in America, can we be honest, it's not food. Most of us has, have plenty of food. I say that because there's people that may watch us around the world and maybe that is their greatest thing. But we're so blessed in this country. I know we have some people that are hungry in this country, but we also have such generous companies and organizations and government that you can get food. We'll help you if you need groceries. Okay? You, you don't have to go hungry, but you know what we do? Let's be honest. A lot of us today, we'll stand in front of a pantry. It's full of stuff. We'll open the refrigerator hungry. You stand there for a minute. The little bell is dinging at us to close the door, and we're so hungry I can't find anything to eat. And we say stupid things like, my gosh, there's nothing in here to, yeah. Food, food isn't it. What I'm talking maybe to many of us here about is when we let our soul get exhausted, weary, or empty. When your soul gets weary, that's when you tend to make dumb decisions. When your mind gets so weary because you spend it worrying about all these things that Jesus said you don't need to worry about but trust me with them, that's when we tend to make bad decisions. When your emotional tank gets so depleted, listen to me married couples, in your marriage, that's when we tend to do dumb things. 
It's when we're tired. It's when we're wearied, when we're at a deficit. And oh, by the way, when you get to that place, because can I tell you what Esau's problem was? It wasn't that he didn't have food. It was that he wasn't prepared for not having food. It was he allowed himself to get to such a place of deficit. And by the way, when we do that in our lives, we need to recognize that there is a spiritual enemy, the devil, who loves to show up when you have deficit in your life. The devil loves to show up when you feel tired and weak and worn out and disconnected and not following Christ closely. That's when he'll show up when you are at your weakest. How do we know? Because that's when he showed up to try to trick Jesus into making a bad trade. The moment when Jesus, before he began his ministry, there's this moment where he found himself hungry. More so, I'm going to say, more so than Esau was. Because Jesus actually went and spent 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness alone with his father without eating. Now that seems crazy. Do you know that your body can survive for at least 40 days? It's happened. Multiple people have done it. As long as you have water. Isn't it interesting how Esau showed up and he said, I'm, he said, I'm about to die. I bet he didn't go 40 days without eating food. That's where his mental state was. And Jesus, like, he knew what it was like to be hungry. In fact, let me, let me read this verse to you, Luke 4, because this is one of my favorite verses you'll find in the New Testament, Luke 4, verse 2. Let me read, let me read this moment. This was right after Jesus was baptized. It says in verse 1, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. I love this sentence. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was what? Well, duh. I think it's one of my favorite verses in, in the New Testament because it's so obvious. Like, I don't know if you've ever tried to go days without eating. How many of you did the fast with us? You raise your hand if you did the fast with us. You get a little bit hungry during the fast? If you fasted food, some I did. I tried to go, I tried to go several days without eating any food. And I found out I'm nothing like Jesus. I made it three days and I thought I was gonna die. I think I was like Esau. I'm gonna die. I can't make it anymore. Three days without food. He went 40. I am nothing like him. And I was thinking about this moment where Jesus was hungry. He's depleted physically. And that's where the devil showed up to tempt him. With a bowl of stew. Or a loaf of bread. It doesn't matter. He came up and he said, if you are the son of God, why don't you turn these stones into some bread? And three times the devil tempted him, if you are the son of God, if you are. What was he doing? He was challenging Jesus to trade his birthright. That was his birthright. Jesus was not just born human, but also the son of God. And so the devil comes and he's speaking to his birthright. And he says, if you really are the son of God, if you really are the one, what is he doing? He's trying to get him to trade his future destiny for a moment of some stew. And though Jesus was hungry and depleted physically, can I tell you the difference between him and Esau? He was full emotionally and spiritually. Because he didn't just go and not eat, but he was connecting with his father. And he was strong emotionally, spiritually, 
mentally strong. He was hungry physically, but he was strong in all those other areas. And guess what? He didn't fall for the trade. No, no, no. He said, listen, it is written, man does not live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of the Father. No, 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 no. You are not going to play me on that. And the devil tried to get him to make a trade. Can I tell you what the devil will do in your life? Many of you have already experienced this. He's going to try and get you to make a bad trade. And he's going to do it when you're tired, weak, hungry, spiritually depleted. That's when he's going to do it. You know what I found going through this fast? I might have been fasting all kinds of food. I might have been hungry, but I was never so strong spiritually that I've ever been. Boy, I was so closely connected to God, the devil didn't have a chance. He couldn't tempt me on anything. He couldn't get me to do anything because I was close to the Father in that season. And he, he, he went away. He ended up leaving. I love this verse 13. Let me read it to you because it says, When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left them until when? An opportune time. Because the devil doesn't just show up anytime. He shows up at an opportune time. He'll show up when you're discouraged. He'll show up when you're weary, when you have doubts, when you're not following Christ. That's when he shows up the most. And he'll try to get you to make a bad trade. Now, we've all made bad trades. I've made bad trades. I know you've made bad trades. But I think the best thing we could do is understand what he tries to do, the enemy, and make a decision that I'm not going to fall for those bad trades anymore. What I want to do in the time we have left, and I'm going to need you to write these down because this is something that you're going to have to process. I want to share with you three thoughts about trades we should never make. These are trades you never want to make. I, I, I could spare you a life of pain and regret if you would embrace these three things. Three trades you should, we should never make. The first one is this. Never trade something important for something immediate. I'll give you a second to write that down. It is really profound. And it all, it's about life today. Never trade something important for something immediate. Do you know how often we do that? I'm guilty of that. Because here's what it is. When you want something, you know, you got an appetite for something. Most of us, we, see, we can't see anything but lentil stew until we get it. We are obsessed with having it and having it now. This is what Esau said. I'm going to die if I don't get this. You know what we say? I won't be happy if I don't get this. I won't be satisfied if I can't have this. And we make really bad trades in the immediate for something important. Let me give you a few. Can I say this? Never trade your financial future, never trade that for a fleeting feeling. And yet we do it all the time. Never trade your financial future for a fleeting feeling. What do I mean by that? You know, you ever just had a moment where it's winter and it's been gray and it's been cold out and you look at your spouse and say, we got to go on a trip. Let's go on a vacation. I, I think I need to get my toes in the sand tomorrow. Let's go on a trip. And then you just go just random and you start looking for deals and you find a deal and then you book it and you go on a vacation. Nothing wrong with that. In the middle of winter, I'm all for it. And you do that, which sounds great. But if you don't have the money for it, what do we do? Charge it. Here's what you're really doing. You're trading your financial freedom for a fleeting feeling. Now, I love vacation with the best of them. But I don't want to limit the freedom that I can have financially 
So I, I might want to do that, but it's, it's a fleeting feeling. I'm not going to, I'm going to save for it. Hey, let's plan to go on vacation next winter, but I'm not going to do something dumb. This is a bad trade. I promise you it's a bad trade. I know it'll feel good for a moment when you go to that trip on Vegas or you go buy that new car or, hey, I need a new truck or um, the smell of that stew, that leather. I need, it doesn't smell new. My car doesn't look new anymore. I just need a new one, but there's nothing wrong with your car. Yeah, I understand that. But if you will just in that moment make a trade of something important for something immediate, it's always a bad trade. Can I say something to all the singles? Please listen to me if you're single, and I know this is going to hit a little hard, but never trade your purity for a moment of pleasure. Don't do it. That's a bad trade. And this is what we do sometimes because we think, well, he loves me or she loves me or they won't love me or she won't love me. And so we get caught up in our relationship. And I just feel these feelings I've never felt before, but we don't create boundaries. And then all of a sudden we give up our purity in that moment for a moment of pleasure. But can I tell you, it's a bad trade. It's, it is a bad trade for your future. Why? Because you may not marry that person. But I feel in love. I understand that people feel in love and still break up all the time. But what happens is when you go through life and you're so willing to give up your purity to this person and then that person and then that person, eventually you're going to meet Mr. Right. Eventually you're going to meet Mrs. Right. And that day when you go to say, I want to give all of me to you and I want all of you for me, guess what? You have to give them a gift, but it's not all of you because you gave some of you to all those other people. And then for the rest of their marriage, they'll always be thinking, boy, I hope I satisfy them like they did. I know that's heavy because a lot of us maybe have gone through that. And I'm going to speak to the grace of that at the end. But for those of you who haven't, can you please hear me? It's a bad trade. I just think about how, how we do this in our marriage where maybe the, the feeling of needing to be right, often we, we take that in a moment of an argument rather than peace in our marriage. That's a bad trade. Do you hear what I'm saying? These are bad trades. We, we do this all the time. And, and these things end up being bad trades. This is why people end up with addictions is because to deal with their problem rather than actually confronting it and actually going through it and walking through the trauma or walking through it and getting help, we turn to a bottle or we turn to a drug, or we turn to something to numb that pain. Can I tell you, never trade something important for something immediate. It's a bad trade. Everybody say bad trade. That's a bad trade, okay? The second one is this. Never trade something only you have for something anyone could get. Never trade something only you have for something anyone could get. Like Esau, he had a birthright. He had the birthright to Isaac and Abraham's legacy. Nobody else had that. His brother Jacob didn't have that. Only he had that. There are things, listen, I want to speak to you. There are things that only you have that nobody else has. And when you trade that thing for something anybody else can get or do, it's always a bad trade. For example, can I say something that only you have that the person maybe next to you doesn't have? It's your name. Your name means something, doesn't it? My name means something. Tim Moore. That's my, that's my name. My family. And you know what? Your name, can I say, your last name even? Your name, it's not just about you. Here's what you got to understand. Everything you do is a reflection of the legacy of that name. Everything that Esau did was a reflection of Isaac and Abraham. Everything that I do as Tim Moore 
is a reflection of what my parents, who they are. And it's a reflection to my kids and who they are. And it goes on and on as part of the legacy. Your name matters. My name is special to me. Tim Moore. Nobody else has that. I got to look in the camera because Pastor Russ thinks that he's got part of my legacy. You don't. Just because we got the same last name doesn't mean it's the same family. We're not in the same family, okay, just so you know. But Here's what I'm trying to say. Your name matters, so don't trade your character for a sale. That's a bad trade. Anybody can make that sale. Don't trade your integrity to get ahead. That's a bad trade. Your name is worth more than that. Don't, don't trade things that only you have. Like your spouse. Only you can be this. Don't trade things that only you have. Like being a parent. Can I tell you a bad trade? Don't, don't, list, don't ever trade being a parent for your career. That's a bad trade. It happens all the time. Can I just tell you? It is an awful trade. I was listening to this podcast this past year of, of a pastor well-known pastor out of Georgia, and, and they were asking him, he leads a really large organization, a real large church, and they were asking him, they said, um, what would, advice would you give to other leaders, CEOs, or pastors, just anybody has to lead something? And, and he said something like this. He said, because uh, they were talking about how do you manage it, he said, never give up something that only you can do to somebody else, but always give up the things that anybody could do. And, and, and he was talking about pastors and ministry for a moment. And he said, this is why a lot of pastors, they, they give up their ministry. They give up their, their kids. I think this is true for business owners. You're invested at work. They give up something they can only do. You know, the, my kids only have one dad. And that's me. My two daughters only have one mom, and that's my wife. And anybody else can do this. I can get somebody else to preach. I know I might be called to do it, but anybody else can preach to you, and you can still receive something and hear from God. But I only got one chance with my daughters. Do you hear what I'm saying, parents? Anybody else? Can, can, can lead an event in our church and do something, but only I can be a husband to my wife. Nobody better else be a husband to my wife. I better be the only one to my wife. But listen, when it's only something that you can do, don't ever trade that for something anybody else can do. Well, I've got to get this stuff at the office together because if I don't, some, no, no, stop. Somebody else can do that. Nobody else can be there for your kids at their game. We got to learn to prioritize. That is a bad trade. Never trade something only you can do for something anyone else can do. And let me give you the last one. This is so profound. I, I just, we need to receive this today. Never trade something God-given for something man-made. Never trade something God-given for something man-made. Here's what I mean. Like, Esau was the firstborn. By no choosing of his own. He's a firstborn. That was a God-given thing. And he traded it away for a bowl of stew. I thought to myself, if you're that hungry, why don't you go ask your mom or dad for some food? How many of you know mom and dad will give you food no matter what? Your dad loves you. 
Isaac loved Esau. Go ask him for some meat. I bet he has animals. Instead, he goes to his brother who's a deceiver, a tricker. And he ends up giving up something that is God-given for something that is man-made. Anytime we do that, listen to me, it's a bad trade. What do I mean by that? How many times do I see in our culture we're running around trying to get the approval of others? We're living for the likes on social media. We want other people to like us instead of just resting and knowing that we already have the approval of our Heavenly Father. Why would we give up the approval of God to throw in, throw in God get somebody else to want me, to like me, to accept me? This is a bad trade you know why the devil couldn't get Jesus with the bread you you get the the truth in the statement that he said it wasn't just that he was quoting some Old Testament thing about the Word of God that's true in one sense but I think it was a deeper meaning for Jesus because when he tried to get him to sell out his birthright for for a loaf of bread Jesus said it's written that man does not live by bread alone but every word that comes from the mouth of God do you realize just a few days before that when Jesus was baptized he came up out of the water before he'd ever done anything a voice came down from heaven that said this is my son in whom I'm pleased God had already given him the approval before he ever did anything so when the devil tried to tempt him to get something that he was going to offer him he said no that's a bad trade I've already got it. How about love? So many people in our culture that we're, we reduce our relationships to lust, thinking it's love when we don't realize how much God loves us infinitely. If you knew how much God just already approved of you and God already accepts you and God already loves you, if you'll come to him, he, he loves you, he created you, then you don't need some guy to give you or fill that hole. God's already done it. Do you know your joy? That's something that God gives. And you don't have to let your situation, you don't have to let your stress rob you of that joy some of us, you're at a place where you have no joy in your life. You're discouraged. You're struck, and you're like, "I just life is miserable." Can I just tell you that there is joy in the Lord? And sometimes you gotta just you gotta strengthen yourself in the joy of the Lord because that is not something that the devil can take away. It's only something that will give away. So why should we give that away for something God's already given to us? That's a bad trade. Everybody say bad trade. I don't want to make bad trades. Because listen to me affects where we end up because our destination is determined by our decisions today please hear me our de your destination where you end up the kind of life that you live ask Esau and ask Jacob it's determined by the decisions that we make today I don't want to make bad trades and I also knew when God showed me this message that for maybe many of us that this would feel kind of convicting I don't want it to be condemning because I know when I talk about bad trades all of us immediately start to think about our lives and oh, I regret that I should have never I don't know why I did that with that person I don't know why we did I don't know why I bought that I don't know why we're living in this I wish I hadn't but I wanted you to hear something to encourage you today that the past doesn't matter. What matters is right now. And if there's anything the story of Jesus tells us as you watch history and where it was going, you watch the bad, what, what accumulated all the bad trades that humans had made until Jesus showed up. 
think about what Jesus did for me and what he did for you on the cross. Do you know what he did? He made a trade. He said, I'll take all of your bad trades upon me and I'll give you something better. Come on, do you believe that today, church? Come on, we ought to thank him for that. I want to encourage you. If you feel like I've messed up, I'm, 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 I'm financially locked up right now because I made bad trades. I gave up my purity and I wish I hadn't. Can I just give you a message of grace that the cross tells us? It doesn't matter what you've done to this point. When Jesus showed up and he split time and he changed everything, he said, I'll take all of your bad trades in the past, in the present, in the future, and I'll give you something better. I'll give you grace. I'll give you mercy so that when the Father looks down, he does not see the sum total of all the bad trades of your life but he sees the work of Jesus and what he did on the cross I'm telling you what Jesus did for us was the greatest trade you could ever imagine in life come on don't you all stand to your feet we're going to close today and but I believe that right now even the spirit of God is maybe speaking to some of you that I don't want you to feel condemnation that God wants to bring freedom and grace right now But he wants to teach us something today. I don't want to make bad trades. I want to accept the trade that he made for us and move forward in that grace. Come on, let's pray together. Father, right now, I pray over every single person here in Lancaster watching this online. God, I pray right now for those that just feel the weight of maybe the things we've done, the weight of our decisions. That God, maybe we look at where we are in life and we just recognize, God, that Maybe, God, I made a bad trade at this point. What is so disheartening about Esau gets flipped the moment you showed up, Jesus. Because we don't need to despise our future because of what you did, Jesus. If we can just receive the grace of what you gave us, God, we, we, we can find freedom. We get a new beginning and a new start. Listen, as, as we're just in a moment of prayer with your head bowed right now, I just think maybe the Spirit of God is speaking to some of you. He's speaking to you about maybe situations in your life where you realize the weight of the trades that you have made and that, and that you want a new beginning in those areas. Maybe it's in a relationship, your dating relationship. Maybe it's in your marriage. Maybe it's in your finances. Maybe it's in your faith. Maybe you've just gotten to a place where, where you've allowed yourself to get depleted with God. And God's saying, come on, now is the time. If this is speaking to you in one way or another, I would love to pray for you. And I would love to just, I think there's something about us responding to God in that moment. And so if you would like me to pray over you and for you here in Lancaster, would you just lift your hand up, hold it up right now. Every situation, praise God, hands are going up. Uh, anybody else? Come on. I know there's more. We just don't want to, we don't want to hold our hands up. Listen, this is, this is God wanting to minister to you. Some of you feel locked by decisions that you've made bad trades. God wants to bring freedom right now. Father, I pray for every hand raised here in Lancaster watching this right now. God, that we feel the weight of our bad trades. God, I pray that the truth of Jesus that came full of grace and truth would resonate in our spirit right now. Father, we we just confess our trades to you. Maybe this is a time to say, God, I'm sorry for the trade that I made here. God, I'm sorry. Maybe you just tell them that. God, I'm sorry. I, I realize it was a bad trade right now. I can't take it back, but right now what I do want is for you to give me your grace. I want a new beginning. I want a new start, God. I just right now, I receive your grace in the name of Jesus.